0: users who can the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be featuring Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer. We'll talk about a new MacBook Pro and about Apple's ongoing efforts to produce television shows, the Sprint T-Mobile merger, and more. A little bit later, we'll have Jason Glassberg, who's co-founder of Casaba Security. And we'll talk about the security of voting systems in the U.S. and more on the Tech Night Out Live. Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer is amongst us. He's just exiting the TARDIS as we speak. And he wants to tell us about the new doctor.
1: Right. So uh, San Diego Comic-Con is going on right now, which means we get to see all these new teaser trailers for movies and TV shows that, that are coming. One of the things that they were hyping is the new season of Doctor Who, which starts this fall. And we got the the first more than just a very short teaser trailer showing jo- Jodie Whittaker as the 13th Doctor. This just looks like so much fun. It, it feels like, just from what little bit we get in the trailer, that she really gets how to be the doctor and she has these three companions that look like they make for a nice fit with her it just looks like it's going to be a really fun season i'm i'm looking forward to seeing jody on screen as the doctor
0: now one thing they said and of course remember this is always hype one of the showrunners said that when they were auditioning people to be the new doctor she walked in and they looked at her and said that's the doctor She had the attitude. And you don't see this Mm -hmm. when you see her, for example, on a show like Broadchurch, where she plays a straight dramatic role. You don't Mm -hmm. see the wackiness.
1: I think it's cool how she can play multiple types of characters. There's a lot of people out there that essentially get typecast because they play each role in a similar way. But it sure looks like she can play the doctor as a very different character from what she's done before.
0: And you have to bring a certain sensibility to being the doctor. It's not something that you could just do. Right.
1: It's it's not something you just phone in. You you have to really own the role, and you have to figure out how to make it your own. I feel like, at least from what we've seen so far, she is owning the role of the doctor. I'm also glad we finally get to have a a, a female doctor. It's been, what, over 50 years, and this is the first time Anyone other than a man has been cast.
0: No, I did see the trailer. And I Mm -hmm. agree with you that it's really well done. And she does seem to have that wacky personality. And it takes a certain kind of actor to be able to do that. It's not all actors that can do that. And she said in an interview that she talked to David Tennant, who is one of the best doctors out there.
1: Mm -hmm. I will not disagree with that.
0: Right. On the basis of that, she... Was able to get a sense of what she had to do. But again, you know, it's her own performance, her own style that she'll bring to the role. Amaral, anxious to see how this changes the dynamic. I was not a big fan of the previous doctor, Peter Capaldi. Yeah.
1: You know, I find it interesting how each doctor that comes along, there's a group of people that really like the doctor, and there's a group of people that say, that one didn't do it for me. Yeah, so I've heard a lot of people say they didn't like Peter Capaldi's doctor, but I've heard a lot of people say that he was their favorite. I I love that everyone gets to have their own favorite doctor.
0: Well, the thing with uh, Peter Capaldi, he was more of a throwback to the older doctors because you were having a middle-aged or post-middle-aged man playing the doctor as someone with a lot of experience, but in recent years, they've had younger men. The ones who had played the Doctor Who Earlier on, were younger. David Tennant was probably in his late thirties when he did it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, interesting though. Uh, Peter Capaldi is the oldest actor to play the Doctor.
0: Funny because the other doctors, some of the other doctors looked older than he did.
1: Yeah, it's it's amazing how better quality of life is now. So you can be much older and look much younger.
0: Oh, here's a minor, minor bit of trivia here. You're familiar with an actor named Sam Whitwer?
1: I recognize the name. And I bet once you tell me what he's been in, I'll I'll have his face to go with it.
0: Well he was in Smallville, but he's not remembered for that. He's remembered for being human, the American version. He was the vampire. You had uh, another you, Okay, okay. Okay. And you had the actor who played Jimmy Olsen in the Superman movies playing the werewolf mm-hmm. and the sister of the guy who plays Brainiac on Supergirl, who's now on Hawaii Five-O, 0 mm-hmm. Megan Rath playing the ghost. So anyway, Sam Witwer is now going to be a cast member on Supergirl as someone called Agent Liberty, who's one of the classic DC villains.
1: Well how interesting i i love how these people have these uh, or how these actors have these these uh careers that they just intertwine with each other so much especially in this
0: space well of course we had an um, actress who played supergirl in smallville played indigo in supergirl mm-hmm. L- laura vandervoort who also played a werewolf if you remember, bitten, oh, yeah, okay, yep, I mean, you can't keep up with it, and more, they are developing now, that's Greg Berlanti, who has about two thousand shows in development
1: <laughs> that's probably not an exaggeration right.
0: he's developing a show based on the character Batwoman
1: yeah, I'm really intrigued by that i I I think, though, and please correct me if I'm wrong, this is going to be on the DC subscription service, so that'll be the only way you
0: can watch it? I do not know how that's going to be done. I know that that's going to change a lot of things, and that brings us to another subject, the subscription services. Mm-hmm. Because right now Apple has, what, two dozen shows in development, ranging from dramas, ranging from science fiction... M. Night Shyamalan is there, Mm -hmm. Ronald D. Moore, you know, Steven Spielberg bringing back a 30-year-old failed TV anthology show. Whatever it is, you have here a lot of potential. So you have a lot of big names. Now, the thing here, of course, is that because you have a big name, that does not guarantee a show is successful. Even big name people have failures.
1: Very true. Yep
0: so i mean we can hope that it's going to be good and it's going to work out and i look forward to it depending on how that thing is going to be distributed and i'm not at all sure now they're talking about a possible bundle deal where you get mm-hmm. news from apple you get apple music and you get the video for one price mm-hmm. as opposed to this being part of apple music what's your perception sir
1: I think that Apple is going to give us two options. And the first option will be a bundle. So we get Apple Music and what, what I am now calling Apple Entertainment um, as, a, as a bundle thing. So you'll get a discount by, by having them as a bundle. But you can also subscribe to either Apple Music or Apple Entertainment uh individually so if all you want are the shows you can get that if all you want is the music you can get that um so i think we'll have two options individual or a discounted bundle price
0: well i don't think apple would want to be another netflix and by the way according to the latest financials some of the luster may be off netflix because they didn't add as many shows As many subscribers as they expected we've got jeff gamut of the mac observer more to come on the tech night owl live
2: attack of the rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike it's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget
3: If you or anyone you love has been diagnosed with lung cancer, asbestosis, or mesothelioma, your diagnosis may be the result of job-related exposure to asbestos, and you may be entitled to compensation. Over $30 billion in trusts have been set aside for individuals who have been affected by asbestos exposure. How do you protect your rights and get the compensation you deserve? Call Capital Legal Group now at 800-400-LUNG. Capital Legal Group is one of the nation's resources for settlement of lung cancer and mesothelioma cases. Law firms have successfully recovered over $2.7 billion, for their clients in all 50 states and claims have been paid in as little as 60 days if you or a family member were diagnosed with lung cancer asbestosis or mesothelioma call capital legal group now at 800-400-LUNG we'll open a no-cost case review on your behalf a history of tobacco use or cigarette smoking will not disqualify your case visit 800-400-LUNG.com or call 800-400-LUNG call 800-400-5864 now that's 800-400-LUNG
5: Hi, I'm Dr. Bill Deagle, MD, AAEM, ACAM, A4M of Nutramedical.com and a consultant providing email advice free on advanced protocols for your optimized wellness and advanced technologies to heal and regenerate you. You can contact us at NutriMedical.com, that's N-U-T-R-I-Medical.com, or 888-212-8871. You get free email starter protocols of our top medical-grade nutraceuticals, initial testing, and recommendations for your own primary doctor to do, as well as recommendations to give you an idea of a consultation and a full protocol to try to help you regenerate your tissues heal naturally without the use of toxic polypharmacy i can send test kits to you as well anywhere in the world and provide you recommendations to referral of specialty clinics worldwide so contact me dr bill deagle at nutramedical.com that's medical.com or 888-212-8871 now, there's a proven powerful
6: anti inflammatory that absorbs 40 times better. Yes, Nano Curcumin Plus from One Planet Nutrition contains smaller particle size that allows absorption over 40 times better into your bloodstream. Nano Curcumin Plus may also help reduce pain and inflammation, detoxify, and help against heart disease and diabetes. Nano Curcumin Plus is now on sale at OnePlanetNutrition.com. Use promo code GCN for your special discount at OnePlanetNutrition.com, the next generation of nutritional supplementation. We'd like to hear from you.
7: If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at techniteowl.com. That's news at techniteowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technight owl.com. That's forum.technight
0: owl.com. You see, I do a big breath between Tech Night Owl live and actually i didn't breathe because i don't breathe i'm a vampire i right? am 500 years old right and you look
1: fantastic for being 500 years old
0: right now if it was somebody who looked 72 or 73 it would be pretty decrepit but somebody who is 500 years old we work out well in any case so we have netflix not gaining as many subscribers maybe they're hitting the saturation point i don't know it could be just one quarter you can't tell from one quarter except that <laughs> If Apple has a slightly down quarter or it's not quite as advanced as people expect, the company is going to go under. So Netflix is probably not going to go under. On the other hand, it's a bit of a down quarter. Does that leave more room for other players or has it come to a point where that market has become saturated? How many more streaming services do we really want or need?
1: Well, first, uh, I agree with you. Netflix is not going under. One quarter does not indicate that a company is fail, failing, you know, unless it was like they went from all the profit they were making to they had absolutely no business for the whole quarter. That would probably be a bad sign. As far as how many services do we need? Well, apparently we need the ones that we really want, but people don't want that many subscriptions to pay for. There was a time when what we really, really wanted was a la carte television. So we didn't have to buy these cable packages. In a way, that's exactly what we're getting because because everything is breaking out into its own subscription, which is kind of a la carte. Uh, the, The problem is that it's becoming so segmented that it's going to be cost prohibitive, I think, for a lot of people to see the shows that they really want. Uh, you know, we, we have Netflix doing their thing. We have Amazon doing their thing. You can get an HBO subscription or a Showtime subscription or Hulu. We know that Disney is doing multiple streaming services in the near future. The, they'll have their own Disney content. They're going to have a Marvel subscription there will be a star wars franchise subscription dc is getting in on this now so they're going to have their their own dc content subscription it's very quickly going to hit a place where even though there's interest in all this content it's going to be a hard sell to get people to sign up for all of these different subscriptions because they'll be paying more than, than they did when they had their cable package.
0: And we hit a point here where it has to reach a saturation point, as I said. You're going to have a DC Comics subscription service. We know that. We're going right. to have, and will they offer there the Zack Snyder cut? Of Justice League. I don't know if our listeners have heard of this. There was a big story I read about the other day. Yeah. Holy director's cut, Batman. There was, before Zack Snyder left Justice League, he had done a rough cut. He had finished principal photography and done some reshoots and rewrites. And he did a rough cut. And then, for various reasons, supposedly due to the death of a family member, that kind of hurt the creative process and he wanted to get some R&R to grieve, they hired Joss Whedon in there to finish up. He was doing rewrites for the script. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe he was being paid by Marvel, because he directed Avengers movies too, to Mm -hmm. destroy it. But what happened here is that cut was made shorter because Warners didn't want the movie to go over two hours. As a result of which, they dropped a lot of stuff. Now, it's possible here, if they just had a Josh Sweden director's cut, you'd restore that and maybe have a better movie. But there are, were demands or requests over at Comic Con where they're asking Warner's to let's see what Zack Snyder would have done. But then it's not that there's a existing director's cut; they'd have to finance the process of him taking the, the existing footage and redoing it, maybe redoing special effects, and maybe investing. $50 million, $25, $50 million to make a director's cut. And will mm-hmm. that make a difference? Now, I know that they released in video the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2. Because if you remember when they did Superman 2 in 1978, they actually filmed the first and second movie kind of simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And then Richard Donner, who also did a Lethal Weapon series... Donner apparently split with the Salkinds, the ones who were producing it, because they were cheap, you know what. Mm -hmm. And they hired Richard Lester, who directed Help and Hard Day's Night, and was a comedy director, to do Superman 2. But then when they were making the big push for Superman, when they released Superman Returns with Brandon Ralph, like a decade ago or something like that, they had a big promotion for Superman, and they... Release the Richard Donner cut. So I guess yeah, they could
1: do it. They could do it. Um, I would be surprised if they do it. I, I think the the cost of doing the Justice League director's cut like that is probably higher than what what DC is really interested in spending. Doing the Richard Donner cut of Superman two. That just seemed different to me i, I think that there was uh, a higher demand that that movie had been more successful anyhow and it's something that uh fit well with releasing the the superman returns movie so uh they were able to capitalize on that um i i'm not expecting to see the Justice League director's cut like that. Uh, it would have to be a very compelling movie for me to to want to even watch it anyhow, because I, I felt like the Justice League movie was, it was very underwhelming. I I didn't like it that much.
0: Well, I rented it. I didn't go to the movie theater. And I had an extra 5 99 around, which I don't normally do. And I said, I'm going to see this. Because I didn't miss Superman, Batman v. Superman. And then kind of like Man of Steel, although they got too violent. Mm -hmm. Batman v. Superman was also a very, very kind of agonizing film in many ways.
1: I agree. And Uh, Justice
0: League should have been a very uplifting film. And it really wasn't. It was kind of blah. And even with Wonder Woman off the success of her own standalone movie. One movie I'm kind of looking forward to is... Shazam.
1: I am looking forward to Shazam as well. I, I i feel like this is a place where DC can redeem itself. Uh, DC has this problem where everything just has to be so dark and gritty and uh uh some lighthearted adventure that I uh, look how well that plays for Marvel. And what I'm thinking is that DC they finally decided with Shazam because that it's a character that the whole dc captain marvel is a character where if it works great and if it doesn't it's not like they've done more damage to to their a-list properties
0: let me continue with this in our mm-hmm. next segment with jeff gamut talking about shazam well anyway <laughs> more to come on the tech night outline.
8: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
9: Bacon lovers, we ship free. Try our amazing bacon, no refrigeration required. Proprietary value added packaging provides 10 year shelf life and protects the leanest, thickest, center cut, fully cooked bacon in America today. Ready to eat right from the pouch or warm and serve. Savory and delicious. Wholesale price for your everyday use. Order today at readytoeatbacon.com. readytoeatbacon.com.
12: You could save up to 70%. That's 1-800-910-5936. 1-800-910-5936.
14: Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next.
0: Now, if you want to get a feel for the original Captain Marvel, not the Marvel Comics Captain Marvel, Mm -hmm. you get a hold, and it's probably available on Amazon, a 1941 serial from Republic Pictures called The Adventures of Captain Marvel or Captain Marvel or something like that, starring Mm -hmm. Tom Tyler, a B-movie Western star who also played The Mummy in some Universal Pictures, (laughs) Chorus The Mummy. Mm-hmm. And he was, had a decent speaking voice and everything, and he looked physically like the comic book character, just as Zachary Levi does. They both look, mm-hmm. and he was a muscular guy. And there, Billy Batson was not a teenager. He was, say, in his early 20s. And he's like a fledgling reporter or something like that. And Billy Batson meets the wizard Shazam, somewhere where they're doing some kind of archaeological exploration. Mm-hmm. and. He meets the wizard Shazam, who says that you are going to become Captain Marvel and explains what Shazam means, the powers that he has. And so when he says Shazam, a puff of smoke and he's Captain Marvel. The costume was really good. The flying scenes for a B, black and white, low budget movie were actually decent enough. And Republic used the same techniques for years. And they were the best flying special effects of anything until I think they came out with Superman the movie. Even wow. Superman on TV didn't have as good special effects as Captain Marvel. Understand to us, it's primitive. This is 1941. You get a feel for the character and the villain was someone called the Scorpion based on a comic book. This is more trivia for you based on a comic book about a character called the Scorpion. The script was written by Otto Binder. Now, those of us who follow science fiction know Otto Binder was very well-known in science fiction, and he was one of the principal continuity writers for Captain Marvel until he joined DC, or the fledgling DC Comics, and he created a character in the Superman universe, several characters, including the Legion of Superheroes, featured on Supergirl, and Supergirl. Mm -hmm. He created Supergirl. So the guy who was doing continuity for Captain Marvel, goes over. Of course, DC Comics now owns the Captain Marvel property called Shazam. In any case, that's your background there. And the reason this interests me at all is because I knew Otto Binder when I was a young person. He died, I think, in the 1980s. In any case, really nice guy. I mean, people really liked him. Very kind, easygoing guy. Had he been alive today, he'd be a big person over at Comic-Con. People who did comic books... In the 30s and 40s and 50s, they didn't make any money. It's not like today was. How many billions is Stan Lee worth? Uh, many.
1: Yeah, he, he's got enough money that uh, he's not going to go hungry
0: forever. Well, forever for him can't be very long. He's in his 90s.
1: Yeah, but, but he can eat really well every single day until he does
0: pass. Right. And looking it up right now. He was born, let me see what his real name was. Oh, Stanley Martin Lieber. Remember, in those days, you didn't use the Jewish name. Right. Which, yeah, I'm glad we're beyond that. Right. Bummed out, Stanley wishes fans the best as he skips Comic-Con. I bet he's not super healthy these days. He's 95, and we wish him well. Yes.
1: I'll miss Stanley when he's gone.
0: Right. Right. And here's the thing how much does Stan Lee make in a year? Stan Lee has a net worth of somewhere between 50 and 200 million. This is a difficult approximation and doesn't help much. Now, remember, this guy was just a middle class guy in the old days. It didn't become a billion dollar business, probably until Superman the movie and also Star Wars. Then you realize that space opera sci fi and comic book movies could become big properties with a-list actors not before Mm -hmm. let's move away from the comic book world okay the new macbook pro
1: i had a feeling we'd eventually get to the new
0: macbook pro why would you think that
1: just a hunch it seems like everyone has an opinion on the new macbook pro
0: well here's the thing it got nothing more than a press release in the middle of the summer, which means mm-hmm. people who aren't paying attention aren't even aware of that's there. It's a major update in many ways. Much faster processor allows for 32 gig memory on the 15 inch model, has a four mm-hmm. terabyte solid state drive. If you put everything in it, it's well over $6,000. You wanted a professional Mac notebook. I guess when you spend over $6,000 for one, it's got to be professional.
1: I I would certainly hope so. Yeah. And yeah, and it does have a lot of professional features. Uh, This is also the first Mac laptop with a True Tone display, which uh, I I thought was kind of interesting. So it, it has the same display technology for color correction that we're seeing on the like on the iphone 10 and on the ipad pro where uh uh, the light sensors in the in the computer or ipad or whatever look at the ambient light and then adjust the display colors so that they're consistent regardless of what lighting conditions you're in which is kind of a cool thing so it's uh it's interesting seeing that come to the uh, the MacBook Pro and I need to see this in action for myself before I decide if it's a really good thing or not because I feel like Apple has neglected professional designers to a degree they, the uh, the whole color sync technology feels like like it's dead and and having true color matching is really important in the design world so i'm wondering if true tone is going to help that or hamper that but either way it's really interesting to see that come to the mac
0: the macbook pro is also available for sale now there are published reports though that the internal cooling system can't handle that processor at full load the more expensive processor the six that the
1: core i9 processor
0: right it can't handle it, so of course it starts cutting back on the speed now that is not something that's unusual it's part of the way these things are designed
1: right and the the whole thing with the core i9 processor having to to throttle its speed when uh when it starts to get too hot this the interesting thing for me about this is that this is not new. I mean, the processor is relatively new. It, we started seeing it show up in limited quantities in, uh, in computers uh, in the winter. So we've already seen PC laptops with this same chip, and they all do the same thing. If, a, if the processor has to work too hard, if it gets too hot, it starts throttling itself back. uh, uh, pretty aggressively. It's interesting that, that when it's Apple doing it, all of a sudden, it's a, it's a big controversy. It's, I think it should have been a big controversy before now. Uh, and the only laptops that I've seen that can handle the processor and keep it cool enough so that it doesn't throttle its, its performance back it's PC laptops that all weigh about ten pounds. They're all at least two inches thick, and that you know it's like something from from two thousand. You know that we're talking old computer laptop styles or the big clunky, heavy computers, and that's what they have to do to have the the space and the airflow inside so that they can keep that chip cool. So there was no way around this throttling in a computer this thin
0: and And as as of course scotty said you can't violate the laws of physics captain that's right and well we're going to have more to come with jeff gamut of the mac observer and we're talking about the new macbook pro arrived with a press release and a couple of interview opportunities more to come on the tech night out live
15: Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. $39.95 and free economy shipping. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Fire your fly swatter. Get your Bug Assault today.
18: Broadcasting to over a thousand radio stations, GCN programming is in all of the largest markets. A GCN advertising career could be the business opportunity you've been waiting for. Companies need hardworking representatives just like you to handle their needs, while you earn residual income which can last for years. Companies are buying and they need you. Email advertise at GCNlive.com or call 877-996-4327. That's 877-996-4327.
14: Know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg.
0: Anyway, the MacBook Pro is here, and now they're talking about what the next MacBook is because there's a new family of Intel chips that handle low power, than might work for it. What's mm-hmm. going to happen with the next iPads? What's going to happen with the next iPhone? Will there be a successor to the iPhone SE?
1: That's a really good question. And if you had asked me six weeks ago, I would have said, sure, Apple's going to update the processors in that and, uh, and probably do a couple other enhancements and then keep it as a lower price option in their lineup. They may do something with that, but I'm I'm less convinced now that that's going to happen uh, because we have a uh, a new leak that's come out showing the the front glass for what's supposed to be this fall's iPhone refresh and it's three sizes of phones. And so one is about the size of the iPhone 10 today, one is uh closer to the size of the iphone 8 plus and then there's one that's even bigger and so if apple is rolling out three new phones at the same time that that just seems too busy for apple to to do something with the iphone se
0: the other thing to bear in mind is with ios 12 supposedly you'll get much higher performance. They measure the iPhone 6. The iPhone SE is based on iPhone 6S innards. So mm-hmm. if the thing runs 25%, 50% faster and more, do they even have to do anything?
1: Yeah, they they may be fine just keeping it as it is. It, it doesn't have all the features that you, that you see on, say, an iPhone 8 or an iPhone 10, but that's also kind of okay because it's a more budget priced phone so not having all of the the brand new features that that's more of an acceptable thing. So yeah, I'm just not convinced anymore that we're going to see uh, a refresh for the iPhone SE. It still could happen, but I don't know.
0: Well, we will have to see what Apple does. We never know either. What they might do is just introduce it at a separate time And a very quiet introduction say later this fall or early next year to keep things going. Okay, here's the iPhone SE2, and it now has the same processor as the iPhone 8, which is last year's iPhone or something like that. I don't know.
1: You know, they, they could even do essentially what they did with this this big MacBook Pro refresh, which is roll it out and just do a press release. And other than that, don't don't even mention it. It's just... It's updated. There you go. Here are the new specs.
0: Now, with the way the MacBook Pro was introduced, I'm assuming other Macs will be introduced the same way. On the other hand, they could have an event in October with the rest of the Mac lineup, the ones that haven't been touched, like the Mac Mini, the next Mac Pro, here's what's going to come next year, then introduce the new iPads at that particular point in time. It would have nothing whatever to do With an iPhone SE, as you say, it may just come with a press release.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking you're right. We'll probably get some sort of media event for new iPads. And maybe we'll hear something about a Mac Mini. I'm not convinced we're going to see any refresh for that either. Maybe we'll get an announcement about the progress of the Mac Pro. But I'd be surprised if we did. I'm thinking at this point what we'll get for the Mac Pro is an announcement in 2019. And we we probably won't hear anything before that. But I want to be wrong on that one.
0: Yeah, but I think something that's been so long awaited, I think Apple would want to say, "Okay, coming say in the first quarter of 2019, this is what the Mac Pro will look like." I really think they're going to do something like that. I wouldn't think so for mm-hmm. a normal refresh because we saw what happened with the MacBook Pro. But the Mac Pro, I fully believe it's going to happen.
1: They might, but they've also burned themselves, actually, with more than one product launch in recent history, where they announce something and then they have to keep pushing it back and pushing it back. We saw that with the AirPods. We saw that with the HomePod. We're seeing that now with the, um, uh, what do they call it, AirPower. And um, yeah, it's just Apple, they need to be able to announce and ship and not have extended delays because that, that doesn't instill confidence in shareholders or customers. So my guess is until they can offer something that's more concrete than, hey, this will be coming in spring or in the first quarter, they're not going to say anything. So so if they do what you're, what you're thinking, that means that they're really close to having everything nailed down and there's no surprises
0: the Mac pro and you think the iMac pro is expensive. If you think a MacBook Pro is expensive with all the gigas, imagine a Mac Pro that will cost what 15,000?
1: It's not going to be a cheap computer, but it's also not a consumer computer so, it wouldn't surprise me if, if uh, like, a base model starts at $4,500, and that would be a model that if, if you were looking at that one, you would have to question why you were buying the Mac Pro. Well, the other 000. thing to
0: bear in mind is when you make a decision like that, you have to think also, if I'm buying a Mac Pro, do I consider first the imac pro because it got the display Mm -hmm. or do i want to give up all the expandability there you know Mm -hmm. what are you going to have what are you going to do yeah i
1: i think for a lot of people the decision will really come down to the expandability if if they if they, they don't think they need to have expandability built inside the box then the imac pro may be a better solution and if they, if they really need those, those, whatever internal expansion options there will be, then there you go. Then, then it's whatever the new Mac Pro is. Um, so I think for a lot of people, that means it's going to come down to what sort of video cards do you need to run? And uh, while you can do an external video box with uh, uh, any GPU box with an iMac Pro, it sure is nice to be able to actually put the, the, the video card directly inside the computer. It, it, it saves a lot of space.
0: I'm kind of assuming also that the people who would buy the Mac Pro don't mind spending 5000 10000 $15,000 for a computer because they need it for the kind of work where the higher productivity will actually make them a profit. Can you sure. dig it, man? I I can dig it. You can dig it. I can dig it. She can dig it. No, that was a song about digging it. And we don't know if we did dig that or really dug it. Okay, let's look at something else here, which is a complicated question and we can't maybe answer. All right. The tariffs. There's a story that Apple Watch could be particularly affected. How so?
1: All right, so the the tariffs that you're referring to the these are what what I'll call the trade war tariffs that the Trump administration is imposing on China, and so for the Apple Watch it falls into a class of devices that could be uh, 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 impacted by the tariff. It it also impacts some sonos products it also impacts in fitbit products and this is something that that if it happens and right now if nothing changes it will happen it'll be this fall so between now and then companies the public can push to get these different devices reclassified so that they fall under a different heading in the whole tariff chart, and then they, they wouldn't be uh, impacted by this. If it does happen to the Apple Watch, then it's uh, a 10% tariff on the, on the cost of the product. It's kind of vague right now, assuming it stands, if this applies to all Apple Watch models or if it applies only to the original Apple Watch. So the, the you know, that very, very first Apple Watch that was introduced, which isn't even made anymore. So if that's the case, then the tariff has no impact on Apple for Apple Watch because it's a product that they don't even manufacture
0: or sell anymore. We got um, more to come with Jeff Gamet. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Nine Live. <laughs>
7: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
0: We are back i think with jeff gamut of the mac observer and we're talking about the potential for tariffs and how they'd impact apple products now apple is pretty complicated because parts are assembled in different parts of the world like your gorilla glass on say your iphone is made Mm -hmm. in kentucky by corning the processor is made in austin i think and Memory may be assembled in different places, depending on the supplier. And by the end of the day, where all it comes together, it's possible that you have a worldwide product with a complicated supply chain, but part of it is being sent to China for assembly.
1: Right. And, uh, yeah, actually, the place where I think we have a higher likelihood of seeing an immediate impact from the tariffs... It's going to be in Apple's computers, the metals that are in the computers. Uh, al- there's aluminum and steel, and there's at least a portion of that that has to come from China. That metal will have tariffs on it. So that's that's one place where I don't think Apple's going to be able to work around tariffs. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're talking about products that essentially are built from elements from around the world whether whether it's actual materials or production these are
0: international devices it's a worldwide very complicated supply chain Hmm. yep so we'll have to see how that turns out in the end it may just fade out because somebody will wake up and say you know this can really hurt the economy we can't pull this kind of stuff so it will not happen verizon will not let you activate older iphones even though they were originally supported on their system it's an iphone 6 or later is that because of the cellular radios on those older models
1: yes and this isn't something that's brand new Uh, it's something we've seen happen with well with the earlier iphone models like like the original iphone model you can't put it on any network in the united states anymore and that's because the the radio frequencies that it used They've been deprecated in there and they're being used in other places now. So,
0: oh, I love what, being deprecated. I know people have been trying to deprecate me for years. They want gene deprecated.
1: Yeah. Well, if, if only you were an iPhone six on Verizon, it would be happening.
0: Well, yeah. well an iPhone five S more. My wife's yeah, right. iPhone five C is, is going to be deprecated everywhere. Right now we run to a reception problem where we are now is a motel and mm-hmm. here reception is moderate. But my much newer iPhone works fine. Hers, being an iPhone 5C, it's marginal. I often have to call her on that phone two or three times before it does not pass into voicemail. And you mm-hmm. know what it's like to be passing into voicemail. I mean, if, if it ever happened to you, you'd really be in rough shape.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just uh, it's like living in a black hole.
0: And that's technology. It's not Apple's fault. Apple did not make your iPhone 5C deliberately incompatible
1: yeah it's, it's and, all
0: verizon's fault
1: yeah actually yes this is all on verizon and uh but that doesn't necessarily mean that verizon is trying to force people to buy new phones of course they are I, well they have they have plenty of ways to force people to buy new phones uh i i think this just works out in their favor that changes that they've been making mean that uh, some older phones aren't going to, to work on their network anymore. That said, I am totally fine not giving them a pass or any other cell service provider. They don't need passes. They, they have done so much to take advantage of customers for decades. It just, it hurts because cell phones Are such a vital part of our communication infrastructure and we have all these companies that are more than happy to find ways to gouge us every chance they get
0: I have a question about that too in terms of that Mm -hmm. the merger that's been proposed between Sprint and T-Mobile would make matters better or worse I mean they're saying look at all the advantages here and Sprint's not that good a competitor anyway but I can see the advantage also in terms of expanding the rural coverage of T-Mobile where it has problems now and has problems competing. So maybe it's better. On the other hand, with three competitors and not four, there's that incentive not to lower prices, maybe raise them, fire some people because they're redundant. Mm -hmm. You know how that works.
1: Yeah. And the... The, I, I'm actually torn on on the T-Mobile Sprint merger for all the reasons you just laid out. It's First off, is Sprint really that much of a competitor in the space? And, and now, granted, I don't follow all the numbers for all the, the cell providers daily, but it sure seems like we have essentially a three-player market right now. So that would be Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. If AT&T were able to buy Sprint, it would make them a much bigger company, and they would be able to compete on a a new level with AT&T and Verizon. So maybe it is good for competition. But on the other hand, once Sprint is out of the mix... Well, that's one player that's not competing anymore. So, does that mean it's actually bad for competition?
0: Where's the incentive, then, to compete? On the other hand, even with three players, there's room for competition, so we'll have to see. They have to sell this really well. Mm -hmm. But you are in a climate now where mergers may be allowed, except, of course, for the issue with AT&T and Time Warner. Now, there... I think the Department of Justice is appealing the ruling that granted them the merger. And this is pretty screwy because once the merger was granted, was allowed, once AT&T won it in court, they went ahead and completed the merger. It's all done. So do they expect now if the appeal goes through that the merger will be undone after they've already done what they have to do? They have to undo what they done or did do.
1: Yeah, I don't think I I don't get how they think that once AT and Time or excuse uh, yeah, ATT and Time Warner had um, become a single company that you can unwind all of these pieces. so I'm not sure exactly what they think they're going to accomplish with this lawsuit. If it's something that should have happened uh last year? Like, or as soon as the the uh, approval was granted, the lawsuit should have been filed, like ready to go that same day.
0: This way beat the completion of the merger. Get an injunction. You can't merge until this is resolved. Now it just looks foolish or it might be political. They can say, hey, we tried.
8: Yeah.
1: I, yeah. I, I'm not sure where they they're coming at with this because of the timing i mean i totally get having uh uh, a concern about losing competition in that space because it sure looks like that's what's going to happen but waiting as long as they did to file the lawsuit that's the part that's weird to me it should have been ready to go as soon as the approval was granted and uh, yeah and then file it get an injunction stop everything until uh that's all resolved and then if the, if the approval stands okay now they get to move forward
0: well whatever it is it's done it's going to be called Warner Media they're talking now about expanding or changing HBO to some degree and i suppose they want to get more people to subscribe not just on the cable companies but separately where they mm-hmm. get all the money you know you get all the money if you do it separately it's not the same thing in our next portion here we're also going to talk about Tech Night Owl Plus, that's the way to get a version of this show free of the network ads for prices beginning at just a dollar 49 a week. Our price cheap. Go to plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com. I'll tell you more about that later. We have Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer. Much more to talk about. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs>
2: For more details, visit Rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S.com.
10: I tried other brands, but I came back to my sunshine.
20: For the best hot or cold pain relief, get the best. Get a Sunny Bay heating pad.
10: Sometimes, life can be a pain in the neck or back or shoulder
20: and the best relief for that pain is a Sunny Bay heating pad did you know that the American College of Physicians said that one of the best ways to treat muscle pain is heat therapy Sunny Bay heating pads are handmade with high quality can be used at home or at work and have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy
10: why take another pill
20: Many people use our Sunny Bay heating pads alone and got rid of the neck pain. Long distance travel or long hours in front of a computer can take its toll on your body.
10: Our homegrown small business tries to help people just like us. That's why we design and test our handmade products with great care before we introduce them to the public. You can easily find Sunny Bay heating pads on Amazon. Just go to Amazon.com and search for Sunny Bay heating pads.
21: Call for Closure Protection Services now at 800 667 9035. 800 667 9035. That's 800 667 9035.
0: See, I try to say Tech Night out live differently each time as <laughs> not to repeat myself. And the reason I decided to do this is because of something I heard from a drummer on the Beatles channel at Sirius XM, where he pointed out that in Day in a Life, for every measure, Ringo Starr is doing slightly different fills or very different fills. Interesting. And okay. you listen to a lot of other songs where he does it like something. He does the same thing almost every measure he's doing something different now the earlier Beatles it'd be just a consistent beat but as he progressed he does things more original and we understand one of his heroes was a famous jazz drummer from the 40s and 50s Gene Krupa Uh huh. so obviously he learned a lot of things from Gene Krupa in fact they say if you listen to Gene Krupa and some of the ways he played drums you'd see Minor things there that influence Ringo. That's really cool. Ain't that cool? So, what do you expect to see in the next Apple Watch since we're talking about the possibility that it might be more expensive?
1: Well, I'm wondering if we're going to see any sort of form factor change this time. Like, uh, uh, well, well, we know Apple is obsessed with thinness. So, is this the year that Apple Watch gets a little thinner? Maybe. But I'm inclined to think not, and that instead Apple will keep the form factor generally what it is, so, it was, so at least the same thickness, so that we can see new features added in. So I'm thinking we'll see better battery life, which will be very welcome. I think that this may be when we start seeing more health and fitness uh, sensors start showing up in the watch. So, uh, you know, we, we can already do heart rate monitoring. And so maybe Apple's going to give us something that maybe it, it's watching the oxygen level in our blood because you, you can do uh, a pulse oximeter where you're using light to gauge that, uh, that, you know, the oxygen level in your blood. So maybe we'll get to see a feature like that.
0: It can only be. We can only hope. That's right. I'm not ready for the Apple Watch yet. I still have my handy-dandy $12.88 Walmart watch.
1: And your battery lasts a lot longer than mine.
0: Well, my battery lasts about a year. And it costs about $6 to replace it at Walmart. For people who think I live a really high-end lifestyle, a $12.88 watch. I like to boast about all my expensive tech gear, and that's certainly expensive.
1: Yeah, well, and it's a, it's a very reliable piece of tech gear, especially since you don't have to charge it every night.
0: That's right. I don't have to forget to take a charger with me. You know, like rushing out of your house in the middle of the night, going to a cheap motel, and having to make sure you take enough of your stuff with you. Like a couple of mics, one of which is in the semi-position of braking, the other of which is a six-year-old blue snowball that works perfectly. Mm-hmm. It's like the Timex of microphones takes a licking, slurp, slurp, and keeps on ticking? Yeah, or talking. Talking. Well, it's not talking. I'm talking. If it starts talking, we'll have a bigger mystery in our hands. The case of the talking microphone, attack of the talking microphones. Microphones around the world start talking, and people are frightened as arms and legs and weird limbs start coming out of their mics and strangle them
1: it'll be a blockbuster next summer
0: and samuel l jackson will say this is going to be a better movie than snakes on a plane yeah
1: well you know the bar's set there
0: that's right so if snakes on a plane talking microphones on a plane
1: yes Uh, It'll certainly be a mix, USB and XLR, because you want to cater to both audiences.
0: Last comment. This article that your colleague Brian wrote, top websites are part of bad password security problem. Say what?
1: Yeah, well, we've got this problem where the security measures that a lot of big websites are using are just inadequate. So we uh, so we have this problem where you get hackers that have figured out how they can get into into these bigger websites. And then they start harvesting usernames and email addresses. And in some cases, their passwords and the websites, they also aren't doing much to promote good password practices you know, it's this problem where it's making it very easy in some cases for hackers to steal account information, ultimately steal identities. And this is an excellent reason why people need to be practicing strong password design and management on their own and not relying on the websites that they log into to actually be protecting their information.
0: Heck, it's lucky with some of these big companies if you can even get them to ship your merchandise properly. I've run into a couple of issues there. I will tell you that you know make it kind of annoying.
1: yeah and uh, and websites shouldn't be limiting us to eight and 12 character passwords they, they shouldn't limit us from using uh, what, what they're calling special characters so punctuation you should have the ability to use uppercase lowercase letters, numbers and punctuation symbols so that you can create as as unique a password as you want.
0: Well I also can rely on Apple to come up with a strong password for me store it in my keychain and not think about it
1: right which which is great and yeah you can do that with um, with one password with LastPass with a lot of different password management. Tools and people should be using those
0: yes they should that's an order people use that strong passwords and even though it's nice to think of your own password if you can and I'm sure you can because it's really just lots of different characters mixed together in a big bundle but Mm -hmm. Apple does that quite well the software we use for our website cPanel can also create strong passwords for you you don't have to come up with your own and this way you're assured that every time you come up with a password, it's going to be a different password. So if you're shopping at Macy's, you have password A. If you go to Amazon, you have password Q. You don't know what they are. I don't say it has an A or a Q in it, but you know what I say. That way you'll have right. them secure. So that's one thing. We should do a show like that. We're going to have a security segment in our with our next guest on the Tech Night Out Live. So we want you to stay tuned for that. Jeff Gammett, please tell our listeners... Where the heck they can find what you do?
1: Well, uh, I'm easy to find over at MacObserver.com. And I'm Jay Gamut on Twitter. So you can find me there. I'm also on a bunch of podcasts like Mac Observer's Daily Observations, Apple Context Machine. I I do the big show. And uh, I kind of get around. So I'm easy to find. And I'm looking forward to chatting with whoever has something
0: to tell me. Okay. Whoever is going to come in the door right now. Jeff Gamet, thanks for talking to us on the Tech Night Out Live.
1: Well, thanks for having me on. It's always fun to get to chat with you.
8: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
19: Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house.
6: normal blood pressure, naturally. How would that make you feel?
13: I'm Don from New Mexico. Uh, January of 2000, I had a heart attack. Uh, Then my real health began going downhill. I had high blood pressure, diabetes, poor vision. I wasn't sleeping well, I was a mess.
6: Don reports dramatic improvements with heart and body extract.
13: started taking heart and body extract from within a few days, I started sleeping better. My blood pressure normalized, my diabetes normalized, my sleep improved.
6: Experience these benefits and more when your body heals itself with the assistance of heart and body extract. Order at HBextract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's HBextract.com or call 866-295-5305.
13: I did not expect this at all. By the 7th, 8th, and ninth day, I saw dramatic improvements from taking Heart and Body Extract.
6: Heart and Body Extract comes with a 100% Ironclad money-back guarantee. Details at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract.
14: You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg.
0: We're talking to Jason Glassberg, co-founder of Cassapa Security. And the topic numeral uno here is all about the voting systems in the u.s especially when we consider the helsinki summit with putin and trump and i won't mention the cover the front page of the new york daily news on friday morning That's where did you see that
22: caught that one yeah um, well it's it's been interesting to see the reaction has been pretty negative um pretty much across the board and you know honestly rightfully so It was not not a shining moment
0: right and every day there's Another explanation. Oh, yeah, well, of course, I accept intelligence's briefing, but it could have been other people. There are a lot of other people. You know, the 400 pound man in his basement, <laughs> in his mom's basement, the 400 pound guy, he's not the fellow you see on Hawaii Five O. the guy from Lost. He doesn't weigh yes. 400 pounds, he weighs maybe three. <laughs>
22: I, exactly and you know I mean quite frankly this is a moment where we need clarity right and, and very concise precise explanations of what we are what we're doing what we're doing about it and instead of fo- you know following the theory of the Gordian knot we wind up having these explanations and backtracks and, and, and machinations and it just it leaves everyone confused
0: It even leaves the confused confused.
22: Which is not
13: a good place to be.
0: Right, because those who are confused can't figure it out. And sometimes from one sentence to the next. <laughs> okay, exactly? but I just want to tell you before we go on, ladies and gentlemen, there is no collusion. Okay, that went over like a lead balloon. There's... <laughs> uh, well, okay. Uh,
22: and, you know, th- 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 this is the problem, though, quite frankly, is that let's, let's separate the concept of collusion with active interference, okay? I think it's universally accepted that our adversaries interfered with our election process, right? I think where we run into trouble is assuming that interference necessarily means collusion. Now, I'm not going to say I know one way or the other, and I'm just going to be impartial, but there's no question, right? I mean, they just got an indictment on 12 individuals who have gone through the entire process of a grand jury, And they are able to elicit enough evidence to to say that these people need to stand trial. And to say that there was no active evidence of this happening is is ridiculous. Because to, to to call that out would call into question the entire basis of our justice system. And, you know, I I don't can't imagine anyone's prepared to do that.
0: Well, you see, here's the thing too, I'd like to ask. We'll get into more detail, granular detail about voting systems. Is it possible for computer hackers to break into the systems and alter the vote in subtle fashions, you know it's kind of like they do with credit card theft where they're they're not going to take a four hundred dollar purchase on your account. they'll make a two dollar purchase or a ten dollar purchase you may not notice, and then maybe they will scale it up. So is it possible to manipulate the totals in a subtle way? a few here a few there, and suddenly you've got twenty thousand votes.
22: Well, I, I would say yes. Theoretically, it is absolutely possible. However, there has never been any any conclusive proof whatsoever that that has actually happened in the wild, right? In in the real world, there have been a number of demonstrations at security conferences where people have gone and have been successfully able to hack these machines. However, there's never been proof, so it it, it can be done. It's theoretically possible. Um, But I can't sit here and say, yes, there's there's overwhelming evidence that the actual machines and the tabulations of these machines have been corrupted. And, you know, when we talk about meddling and when you talk about hacking, what we're really talking about is a disruption of the electoral process. Right. So it's not necessarily what they're going after or the machines themselves. What they're going after is people's confidence in the results of the election. Right? It's, it's that. And that really is at the core of what this scandal is all about. So, no, one, no one's saying someone was able to hack a machine and, and turn up 20,000 votes or 100,000 votes. But what they were able to do is sow enough discontent to make people upset on one side or the other, which, of course, furthers their aims of disrupting our society.
0: And also, if enough people vote for the other person because of getting fake news. Right. They but will I, I, therefore change the outcome without manipulating the machines, because if they exactly. show because obviously if you have evidence that the machines are manipulated, you may have to do recounts, you may have to run the election over again, maybe in that particular district, you'd have to do something. But if you have no evidence of actual tampering, and it's just the hearts and minds that have been tampered with, that's a lot more difficult to quantify.
22: Well, it, it is, but we can see right now that you've got side A claiming all of these things happened and, and side B saying absolutely none of this happened. It's all a big made up story. And 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 basically we're grinding to a halt as a country because we can't agree on on this simple thing. So it's really disrupting you know the fabric of our society. And when we talk about As a democracy, what could be more fundamental than the actual voting process? And if you start chipping away at people's confidence in that process, you're really disturbing the fabric of of who we are as a country.
0: And as I say, if you change hearts and minds with deception, you know, it could have that effect. You maybe influence a few hundred thousand people, spread that across different states. Now, I want to ask you here. You did some work last fall. It says here on voting system vulnerabilities.
22: Yeah, there was a um, a charitable trust who had uh, uh, asked us to do a review of potential solutions to the online and and voting problem in general, and and how they, you know, what are some of the future solutions to voting? And and one of the popular choices is to have kind of an online system. You know, people shop online; they do their credit card. And, and purchasing online so this is it possible to build a system that would be secure and allow people to have access and of course if you incorporate very strict and, and rigid security controls you have things like two-factor authentication where you you know may use that with your bank where you identify yourself and then in order to complete the login you get a uh, a text back to your phone. So it's, it's a double login, so to speak. Um, it turns out that yes, you can make a very effective, very locked down, very secure method of voting. The problem is, is the availability, right? Because not everyone's got the ability to log into a computer and not everyone's got a telephone. Most of us do, but you know, you got a problem because voting is a fundamental right. It, it, it's not a privilege. It's not something that people can do or can't do. Everyone as a citizen is supposed to be entitled to vote. So the problem you've got is having these systems that can considerably be much more expensive than what people have got now and being able to roll these out to places that may or may not be able to afford the infrastructure. So it's possible to make secure voting systems, but having them actually stood up, supported, and paid for is another question.
0: Okay, here. How many systems around the country do you have this information using the old-fashioned paper ballot
22: i don't know offhand but it's it's a significant problem we, we were talking about this earlier is that you've got different kinds of you've got pure paper ballot voting, and you've got electronic machines that tally votes but don't produce a paper trail. And then you've got a more modern machines, which both tally them electronically and then you're able to audit with the paper trail. The big problem are the the electronic machines without a paper trail because you can't, there, there's no way to go back and verify that if the vote was cast, it was the vote that was in fact cast. So those are amongst the most troubling machines. The other problem is that we've got machines out there that are fairly old and vulnerable to very common the hacking vulnerabilities. And these are the machines they usually wheel out on stage at these security conferences and hack because no one's actively going in and updating them. No one's actually going in and reviewing and auditing these things in a timely fashion. I mean, we, we require these kinds of audits on the, the web servers and the machines that process our, our credit cards, but there's not yet that requirement that our voting machines undergo the same kind of scrutiny.
0: I will ask this question, which will continue our next segment. Don't tell me those machines are using Windows XP, please, or maybe they are. (laughs) Jason Glassberg is laughing. Let's find out why on the Tech Night Out Live.
8: You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
5: You have been lied to generation after generation, time after time after time. If you follow the money, then you understand why America's in the condition it's in.
18: You you created the
13: Star Reserve in 1913 through lies. You create 9-11, through 9-11, then you're fighting a war on terror, and now all of a sudden you go into Iraq, which was another lie. This book
5: will open people's eyes. Order now at KillingUncleSamBook.com
11: KillingUncleSamBook.com
15: Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. $39.95 and free economy shipping. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at bugassault.com. Fire your fly swatter. Get your Bug Assault today.
14: what are you listening to the tech night Owl live with gene steinberg what's going to happen next you never know
0: we have jason glassberg of Cassaba security we're talking about the integrity of voting machines and they should know they've been examining them so these machines saddled with older operating systems, perhaps. Windows XP-based or older? Windows 95? <laughs> well, they have what they have. There,
22: there are some that are embedded with an older version of Windows called Embedded Windows. And, and it's funny you should mention that because just recently it was revealed that one of the largest voting machine manufacturers, ESS, es and I believe, had equipped a number of their machines with a remote access software to allow them to be, quote unquote, remotely administered. And they were using an application called PC Anywhere, which in the security world is just, you know, it it, it makes your head explode. It basically was an old style program that allowed you to dial in via modem. To basically do remote control of your PC, and here this company was installing this known vulnerable software on these voting machines. Now they claim they stopped doing that sometime between 2006 and 2015, but it still, you know, it raises eyebrows, and you think to yourself, what were these people thinking? You know, is there is there no concern that this is the, you you can't give access to these machines and allow anyone to dial into them? So, so therefore,
0: it was Windows 95 vintage.
22: It was that vintage, yes. Yes.
0: Oh. Now think about that. That's the one where you can make a grown man cry in the commercial because they use Start Me Up. The Start Me Up the commercial back in nineteen ninety
22: five. Yeah, but they did have that good Weezer video on the on the C D too.
0: Oh they did. Okay. Just wanted to check that out. Okay. The question here is what possesses these people to be ignorant? How ignorant can they be or are the executives of these companies so ignorant? Of technology that they do this because oh it's cheaper
22: I don't think it's that I I prefer not to cast a nefarious net over this and think it's more of expediency and what works I mean we see this in the security field all the time right it's the concept of unintended consequences that always bite people in the in the in the rear end okay when you're building something whether it be a piece of software or a car or a television you don't test to see how it operates when it breaks. You test to see how it w- operates when it works. And when you've built in such a way that it works and gives you the desired result, you say, hey, I've done it, moved on. Right? The whole essence of security hacking, if you will, is that you want to test to see what happens when things go wrong. Right? And I just don't think that concept of, of testing in the negative or testing when things go wrong really enters into voting machine manufacturers, or at least not in the past. I mean, clearly now it's an issue and these are things that need to be addressed.
0: But three million illegal immigrants did not vote for Hillary Clinton in California.
22: Well, they may have, but they certainly have not been able to prove it, right? To my mind, you know, the proof is in the pudding. I would say that they were able to successfully convince a grand jury that there were 12 foreign individuals involved in election interfering. But they have yet to prove uh, any of these millions of so-called illegal voters. And I think that, interestingly, that 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 forks into another part of the problem that we've got is that as a country, we can't seem to agree on how we want to treat our voting infrastructure and our voting machines. Last year, there was a a huge argument that went on between the government, the federal government and the secretaries of states, the the secretaries of state of various states. Uh, over how you would classify your election systems the government wanted to consider them a critical infrastructure and critical infrastructure in terms of it are things like dams and bridges and and nuclear plants that have a certain level of require a certain level of protection
0: i'll drink it, back yes yeah
22: it, it seems to be perfect common sense right well of course these voting machines are very important they, they should be considered a critical infrastructure unfortunately as being labeled critical infrastructure, that gives the federal government, more specifically the Department of Homeland Security, much more say in how these voting machines are regulated and how they're used. And the states themselves push back because as a you know, as a federation of states, these states the, the, the whole concept of who controls voting and how voting is run is a product of the states. And so you had this pushback that said this was a federal overreach. And, you know, on its face, it seems like a ridiculous argument. Why are are people arguing about this? But especially when you take into account what was going on at the time where they were trying, they had that uh, uh, presidential commission to um, see if there was illegal voting and they were wanting states to turn over all these voting records. All of the states basically, you know, many, many, many of the states refused. And so there was a big, you know, brouhaha over that. But this was happening under that time, and you could see that under a federal mandated program, they may have been required to turn over these voting records, and you know, that, that certainly is not a good idea either. Well, so, that
0: commission was designed to prove the three million theory.
22: Well, I- exactly. But you could see that if, if there was some mandate that these were critical infrastructure machines, they wouldn't necessarily need to request. They could demand it under some critical infrastructure you know, designated law. There is some danger in having, you know, the federal government being all powerful in this regard and the the secretaries of states pushed back.
0: Well, okay, so we have these machines that have no paper backup. Now, yes, when you ask them or anyone asks them, why not have backup? The basics of computing, especially for a business, is to have a backup. So if you have a backup system here, how can you ensure the integrity of the vote?
22: Well, and that, that, of course, is 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 the crux to the problem, right? Because, you know, the, the engineering answer would be, why, why do I need to make these things more complicated and more expensive when we've solved the problem electrically? You know, but clearly that's not the
0: answer. Well, how did you solve the problem electrically? Do you make a duplicate of the vote?
22: Well, that's... Can you again, print it out? Exactly the problem, right? I don't think people did not assume that these machines would be under that kind of attack wrongly as it turns out but again that was the assumption going in and then you've got the the problem that you've got some you know uh, there are eight thousand jurisdictions in the united states that are responsible each one of them how responsible for their own way of doing voting and you know some of them have a lot more resources financially than others. And so therein, therein kind of lies the rub. Now, they, they passed a, uh, a bill mm, a little while ago, a couple of months ago, designating like 300-some-odd million dollars to improve voting and, and, and have these more rigorous standards. But it, it, it's almost like the, the, the horse is out of the barn. It's, it's a little bit too late. This would have been very useful to have this money two years ago but at at this point how much can you possibly accomplish in the next couple of months and we know this upcoming election is going to be hugely important
0: and how many dead people voted for jfk i think four okay but you see my point
22: i do i do and i agree
0: so we have a situation here where there's no backup and if the politicians responsible for those machines are less than honest you know, how do you know if a politician is lying when they open their mouth? Yeah, they
22: open their mouth. <laughs> exactly. And again, you know, we've got problems with the, the, these machines. I mean, this is this is a significant issue. But there's really been no, you know, no, no overarching proof. Right. It's we can speculate. And I think it's important that people don't immediately, you know, come to the worst conclusions, because in a lot of respects, hacking these things would be somewhat difficult because by law. They're not allowed to be online, so they're not connected to the Internet just sitting there waiting for some rogue, malicious user to come and attack these things. Other aspects of the uh, electoral system are certainly open to attack and abuse. Things like voter rolls, for example, right? Now, that's an interesting place that you can have a breach, right? What happens if someone gets all of these voter rolls and they can use them to target their malicious and, and hateful ad- fake news and advertising towards these folks.
0: Well, what they I can know, also do, what they can do with those voter rolls is to find bogus reasons to knock people off.
22: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got that also, right? And And, and now, what used to be considered a right you need to prove your ability to vote. And that, again, is is a huge argument. And they just had some case that the Supreme Court basically whiffed on and said, we'll throw that back to the states and and didn't decide. Another area that I, I think is fraught with danger is, is the whole infrastructure of, of states and and communities. You know, imagine a situation that happened in 2000 where everyone was hanging on bated breath waiting to see what the results of Florida was going to be to decide the election. And all of a sudden, Florida is knocked out with a big denial of service attack or a big ransomware attack or something that takes out all of their systems, Right it's going to sow an amazing amount of discord people on the one side are going to think the other side did it and vice versa and again i firmly believe that our adversaries are out there just to sow discord i think their primary goal is to make everyone really pissed
0: off we've got more to come with jason glassberg i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live
2: Attack of the Rockoids, and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit Rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com.
4: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next.
7: And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
0: So, Jason, we're kind of put in a situation here where if the voting machines were all knocked out and they couldn't count them properly, would they simply have to redo the vote? I I mean, if you're talking about Florida, for example, we're talking about 2000 Florida, and hanging chads and all this nonsense, well, let's see, is that they really punched that? Well, I don't know. I think if something is even half cut, they punched it. But then I don't know anything about voter law. But regardless, if those machines went down and you couldn't be assured of the integrity, you'd probably have to have the vote recast, wouldn't you?
22: I would think so, but I, I too am not an expert in voter law. You know, I can, I can, I can, I can only imagine the bedlam. But I'd imagine you'd have to have these court cases, and they'd have to decide which way to go. But a- again, th- it would cause a disruption, which is what these bad guys are after.
0: Okay, the Russians, the twelve the Russians. Russians, the, the 12 Russians. Russians. I don't know anything uh, about know Russia. Anything. There was no collusion, ladies and gentlemen. I just want to tell you that. But the Russians speaking about the russians here what precisely did this group of 12 do it was it all about hacking the emails and such
22: yeah so again you know just to be clear because i think it's an important point that that there there was no collusion there was never any proof (laughs) that they actually went in and changed any tabulations of any votes all right so that's the that's that's the ground rule but it looks like what they did is that they went after the dnc they were able to get the emails of Podesta and Clinton and all sorts of confidential stuff. They stored this on servers that they had paid for with Bitcoin and they distributed it to WikiLeaks and DCLeaks at a very timely way to cause the maximum disruption possible. And that was really the the, the what they did. Interestingly, they were able to, 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 to spin a yarn to, 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 to find the trail sure. um, because one of the, one of the Russian agents failed to turn on his VPN, which is a way of, of hiding your communications, just long enough that they were able to catch one of the mails he sent and trace it back to uh, GRU headquarters back in, uh, in Moscow. So it's not as if they, someone's just making up a story and, 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 and spinning a tale about these guys. They sure. have definitive proof. You know, they're also able to to trace the, the Bitcoins back from the servers they rented to store these stolen materials and where they transferred them out from.
0: Does that so, mean that Bitcoin is not as secure as we thought?
22: Bitcoin is definitely not. It, it, it's not that Bitcoin itself is not secure. It's where you store your Bitcoin. Uh-huh. Uh, is is potentially disastrous because if you lose it it's gone there's no recourse
0: bitcoin i was urged once to accept donations for the site and payments with bitcoin and i checked out a few things and said you know what no and then i heard of one of the bitcoin banks being hacked and i said you know what forget about this i can't do this
22: it's almost ready for prime time but not quite but it's also very useful if you want to do anonymous payments there's a lot of underground activity done with that, and, and it's very difficult to trace. However, it can be traced because ultimately you've got to convert the Bitcoin into some kind of fiat currency. And when you convert it from one to another is usually where they can they can find you.
0: Okay, but- so we have here the emails showing up on WikiLeaks, etc. And it's very easy then when you have thousands of emails to quote selected passages and make them mean something they may or may not mean oh, And you have course. to re- look at the originals and it's possible to manipulate them this is what they did they basically grabbed the emails and posted them after somebody said Russia if you're listening etc etc they started that night they started that night <laughs> it was a coincidence come yeah, on right <laughs> right they started that night Russia if you're listening hey Russia if you're listening <laughs> The other no, thing I don't do- want to ask Russia to do anything because they'll go after me.
22: Uh-huh. Well, they'll do it. Clearly,
0: they listen, and they'll do it. They'll send me a bill. Yeah. <laughs> I'll only hope you can... We'll pay. send you a bill, Comrade <laughs> Steinberg. The other thing that was interesting,
22: though, that came out of that indictment that was just released, though, was that they it was 21 or 22, they have evidence of them attacking 21 or 22 states. Now, they don't go into detail what the nature of those attacks were or whether they were successful or not, just as they attempted those attacks. And so that's kind of led people's heads scratching as to what that actually means. Were they going after voter rolls? Were they going after some of the back end systems, etc.? So there's no that hasn't been revealed. So that's an interesting aspect of the indictment.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's a hmm. Right. So they, they hacked the voter rolls. Did they visit the voting machines?
22: Yeah, maybe, but nobody's saying. I think if it was something so incredibly dramatic as that, I would think that that would be announced. I, I think what they probably did was try some phishing campaigns. They were very successful. I mean, that's the other side of the coin here is that, you know, we talk about these sophisticated attacks and all this stuff. At the end of the day, what gave up the goods were people falling for these stupid phishing campaigns. They clicked on a link. (laughs) They were told to reset their password. Please click on this link. They did, and so they gave up the goods. You know, the thought of these being these nefarious, sophisticated attacks going after these systems is not really the truth. They were princes from Nigeria with fancier emails.
0: They were Russian princes from Nigeria.
22: (laughs) With very good emailing skills.
0: Obviously. Got to watch out for those people. We're from exactly. the UK or something. You have no idea where they're from, yeah. you know, but things know. like that happen. Yeah. I think here, Podesta's email was hacked because he asked somebody when he got the phishing email, if this was okay. And I guess that person gave him or a bump steer. He should have been fired.
22: Yeah. But stuff happens, yeah, you know, it's, well, it's it does. easy. And you know, quite frankly, the whole phishing is, is so effective because you can make such realistic mails and the, the cost of, of the phishing program is so low that all you know, you it, it costs nothing to send out a hundred thousand mails, right? And all you need is a one percent success rate and, and you've won. And that's really it's 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 the ultimate in asymmetrical warfare because it costs nothing to do and the results can be so dramatic. Which is why we you know you see it all the
0: time. Well I have a situation here where I was working with somebody helping him with his computers And he contacted one of these scam emailers, and he had a real product to sell. But he figured if he did it this way, if he only got like one-tenth of one percent response, it would be sufficient for him to make a lot of money from selling his product. So he figured to give it a try. And then it ended up that the person who he paid took his money. Bye-bye. Not a lot of money, a few hundred, but still.
22: Yeah, I mean, that's that, that's the way it works. I mean, all it takes is, is, is I, I find it hard to believe that people fall for some of the more outlandish ones about the, the guy who's stuck in an airport and needs a quick hundred bucks. But if you, you know, and we've examined these things as part of our work. And if you look at some of the ones that from banks, they are so realistic. I mean, it's really hard to know if it's a real mail or not. You know, so obviously the, the response is you never send your password or any kind of critical information over email.
0: Let me tell you something here. My wife, after we've been hacked a few times, but my wife has taken to calling up the vendor to place the order. She doesn't want to do it yeah. online.
22: Yeah, that, and then you're never going to go wrong with a phone call.
0: Right. I'm having a little a network problem here, so if, if anything happens... Let me make sure I have a good connection. If not, I'll have to reestablish it. Uh, so give me a second here. We're in a motel right now. And no, oh. there it works. All right, so it, it doesn't work so well. It works good now. All right, let me continue here. So I'll tell you, you know, what what happened. But this is very, very common. I guess now people are thinking, maybe we should go back to the old-fashioned methods. Why should we rely on Amazon and their cloud system and now Microsoft and walmart are getting together to compete with amazon why should we rely on these people if we can just pick up the phone or go to the store and maybe things will turn around that way that we've reached the saturation point with hacking where nobody trusts the system anymore and that's also an issue let me just break up we've got more to cop with jason glassberg on the tech night out live (laughs)
3: If you or anyone you love has been diagnosed with lung cancer, asbestosis or mesothelioma, your diagnosis may be the result of job-related exposure to asbestos and you may be entitled to compensation. Over $30 in trusts have been set aside for individuals who have been affected by asbestos exposure. How do you protect your rights and get the compensation you deserve? Call Capital Legal Group now at 800-400-LUNG. Capital Legal Group is one of the nation's resources for settlement of lung cancer and mesothelioma cases. Law firms have successfully recovered over $2.7 for their clients in all 50 states and claims have been paid in as little as 60 days if you or a family member were diagnosed with lung cancer asbestosis or mesothelioma call capital legal group now at 800-400-LUNG we'll open a no-cost case review on your behalf a history of tobacco use or cigarette smoking will not disqualify your case visit 800-400-LUNG.com or call 800-400-LUNG call 800-400-5864 now that's
15: 800-400-LUNG Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. $39.95 and free economy shipping. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at bugassault.com. Fire your fly swatter. Get your Bug Assault today.
10: Message and data rates may apply. Remembering
23: when to change your fridge filter is a hassle. Remembering the right filter is almost impossible. So at Filters Fast, we have some good advice. Forget it. Instead, remember this. Text BEST55 to 443-443 and check fridge filters off your to-do list forever. Get it all taken care of for a fraction of big box store prices with a Filters Fast brand filter. Text BEST55 443, 443 That's B-E-S-T 55 to
18: 443, 443 Cancer categorizes over 100 diseases. Though we do not diagnose, treat, or cure cancer, GCN team is offering the Clemson University study where there was up to a 95% reduction in cancerous cells when exposed to a plant-derived mineral supplement. If you or a loved one are searching for answers to this horrifying disease, come to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. We'll email you a copy for free. That's 877-878-4203.
0: I'm Gene Steinberg, and this is so fascinating, covering security. Basically, voting security, but everything I'm talking about here applies to any kind of computer system about security and everything. So can we even trust dealing with these big guys anymore because of all the hacking and all the stuff? I'll give you a point here where, as our listeners know, there is an online pack of stalkers, And I would think if I was really famous and not just, you know, a guy who does a weekly radio show, a couple of weekly radio shows, it makes sense. But they've been pulling stunts like that against me for a long, long time. And where they make phone calls to people. I got a call from somebody like two weeks ago, and the voice was stuttering, and I knew who it was from. And he asked me about my dog. I mean, it's crazy.
22: Yeah. You know, what I would say to that, right, in general, is that the technology is new, but the tricks have probably been happening since biblical times, right? And it's the same kind of con man mentality that has been going on for forever. I'm sure when the telephone was introduced, people all of a sudden were getting these random phone calls and fell for these crazy Crazy schemes that they got because they picked up the phone and, and they thought it was some relative. Or when they when they started delivering letters, you know, mail fraud is certainly not something new. And and the same thing with, with these kinds of Ponzi schemes that seem to be prom- promulgated over, over the web and, and through email. The problem is, is just that it's the size, it's the scale, right? It's not just one person calling another person to scam them. It's one person able to send out 100,000 mails. And so the the scale of it's really changed. (laughs) But the tricks, they're all the same. There's nothing new in this world. And so, you know, but to your point, there are some very smart people who are thinking of very interesting ways to circumvent these issues. And you know, it's always gonna be a cat and mouse game. Do I think you can trust Amazon or Microsoft? I do, right? Because I worked you know, I've worked with these people. Things like new technologies that we talked about, like two FA where where you can't log in until you get a phone call back or you have some other secondary way of identifying yourself. I mean this is just very smart technology. These biometrics where you can pay with your phone because, you know, it's captured your thumbprint. I mean, these are very hard things to circumvent
0: as i said we should go back to smoke signals but then how would we know the smoke signals are not (laughs)
22: exactly it's all about verification right how do you verify the party on the other end is legitimately who they say they are
0: that gets back to the voting machines without the paper backup. exactly is it possible to retrofit those machines or is that horse left the barn
22: at this point those machines are going to be old they're probably not going to be updated with mo- modern software. I would think at this point it's probably cheaper and smarter just to replace them. But I also think they need to, and, and this is part of this new thought process, we need to treat these machines as we would treat a bank terminal or a machine that processes credit card or payments. You know, any web service or server that takes a credit card needs to be annually audited in order to be certified to take those credit card payments, right? They have this thing called PCI, Payment Card International, which requires this certification. It's a conglomerate of Visa and American Express, blah, 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 right? We need to have those same kind of standards for our voting infrastructure. If something is touching any part of the voting system, they need to be audited, right? They need to be running the newest software. They need to be patched. They need to make sure that they're secure and not just left to chance. And I think we need to have kind of this organized security process with all of the infrastructure. And I think that would go a long way to alleviating the threats that that they face.
0: Now, just to point out how accurate the system has to be, recent congressional election in Pennsylvania, the winner won by a few hundred votes, or maybe a few thousand in Alabama for the Senate of the United States. We have votes where a few votes. We have elections where they're determined by a margin of error, possibly. And we have to eliminate the margin of error.
22: It's absolutely true. I mean, the more we become kind of this half this and half that, it's those margin of error votes that are actually uh, absolutely important. And we need to be able to verify the integrity of these systems. And there's no way to really do it unless they're continuously. Audited.
0: Okay, that's another story too. You found problems with these voting machines you tested.
10: What yes. happened
0: then? Did they just say we'll take it back and look at it, or do you see any signs that somebody, anybody, is doing something?
22: Well, I do see signs. You know, I, I, I there's been a lot of work done. I, I'm here out, out in Seattle, and Washington, right? I mean, I would imagine it's, a, it's, it's much more technologically savvy than some other states but they have incorporated uh, much more security in, in terms of testing and infrastructure. You know, I can't speak to other states. But again, getting back to what I mentioned before, it, it's a very localized issue because each one of these jurisdictions is responsible for their own voting integrity. So what might work in Seattle uh, may not fly in Montana or Georgia or, or Tennessee or Maine. You know, each one is a separate and distinct. So, I, I believe ultimately we're going to need to at least set a number of ground rules that that say that these machines have passed this kind of testing and this kind of certification, without making it a federal thing. So you can still maintain the state's control, but there's still some kind of centralized descriptive. No, I don't want to say regulation, but but requirement in order for these things to be accepted as a quote unquote, you know, US accepted voting machine. And and hopefully that that's something that will be happening in the near future. It just can't happen soon enough.
0: How many companies even make voting machines anymore?
22: Yeah, I know there's this ES, I know Diebold doesn't do it anymore. I'm not exactly sure. And, 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 you know, there's always the hybrid case where you go in and, and you punch a, a card and that gets tabulated somewhere in the back end on someone else's system. So I don't know exactly the number of machines. And there's so many, you know, there's so many different varieties. There's so many different ways of voting.
0: Well, part of it also here is if there's no consistent standard and each individual jurisdiction wants their own system, I guess it'd be different. Well, we got the better deal, that kind of thing.
22: I don't know. I, you know, it's, again, it, it's a really head-scratching problem because there's no easy solution. So does a, a, a town or, or, or a state or a county that has eight to 10,000 people require the same infrastructure that New York City does, right? Or Brooklyn, right? Or Philadelphia. Do they have that kind of money? Can they afford it? That, that's a big problem. Right? Is that the people need to the, these these things need to be paid for ultimately? And do these places have the resources? Now the government has they passed this bill. They offered three hundred forty some odd million dollars to beef up the security, which is great. Uh, it's a little late in the game, but you know we need that kind of investment and support in order to help these somewhat less financially able counties, you know, get up to speed.
0: More to come on voting and security. Jason Glassberg of Cassava Security. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Ally. Live.
8: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
23: Kiss your credit card debt goodbye. I'm Pharmacist Keith. Dr. Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, and myself want to show you how to achieve financial peace, creating an extra income that will last for years to come by joining Dr. Wallach's crusade, spreading his message of better health. To learn more, visit radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com, radio.recordedvideo.com, or call 866-257-3105 for a recorded message.
2: Aging is one thing that affects everyone. George has talked about the power of stem cells for years. Now there's a new serum that harnesses that stem cell power to bring back your youthful look. Beverly Hills doctor,
5: Nathan Newman. Stem cells are basically our fountain of youth. This is what maintains our body's reparative, regenerative abilities. As we age, every cell breaks down and has to be replaced and what replaces it is the stem cell. Dr. Newman and Jeunesse have developed Luminess. Luminess. LuminS takes the science of stem cells
2: using the same growth factor complex that literally heals our cells, slowing the appearance of the aging process. Apply Luminess twice daily and on average, see results in a week. Learn more, watch our video, and order today at a special Coast website, healthylooking.com. Plus, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that's healthylooking.com. luminous for a healthier, much younger, better-looking you. Buy now at healthylooking.com.
3: Have you had credit challenges, divorce, bankruptcy, or just haven't established your credit yet? If so, getting a decent car loan can be tough. The good news is that there is a place where you can get a car loan at a fair price, regardless of your credit situation. Auto Loan Express can make it happen now when you visit NewCar99.com. Here's the deal. If you have a regular job, then there's no reason to keep taking the bus or repairing that old junker. Go to NewCar99.com today and fill out our simple online application. We accept over 99% of applicants and can get you behind the wheel of your new car with just a few strokes of your keyboard no hassles no third degree just fill out the simple online application and start shopping for your next car so when you're ready to get on the road with your new car loan visit us online at newcar99.com where we accept 99 of all applications newcar99.com if you have a job then you qualify here's to you and your new car visit newcar99.com newcar99.com
14: what are you listening to the tech night Isle live with gene steinberg what's going to happen next you never know
0: now what's a voting machine cost these days i don't know probably a lot of money I would think with the technology and everything, wouldn't they be cheaper than they used to be?
22: I would think so. I'm sure there's, because of the limited amount of sales, I mean, not everyone's going to need a a voting machine. Like, they need a Kindle.
0: I can put a few in my basement.
22: <laughs> I would say that they're, they average between $2,500 and $3,000. All right,
0: not very expensive.
22: A, no, no.
0: Okay. And I would think if the locality doesn't have the money the state would have the money i would think so and there are several different companies and different systems that are not compatible i don't know i think when you need an industry standard that ought to be it do those voting machines sell overseas Do other countries do other countries have similar machines for their voting systems or is it just here
22: that's another good question. I remember seeing when they were voting over in Russia, they drop a little paper ballot in a box.
0: Okay. Um, <laughs> and we got one of Vladimir's how associates taking counts. the paper and looking at the vote and throwing him out if it's the wrong person.
22: Right. So I don't know. You know, I don't know much. I, I'm not familiar, I should say, with some of the voting techniques of other countries. I know uh, there are smaller countries in Asia that vote online, for example. There's just not, you know, you, you're talking about populations, though, that are the size of a, of a small Midwestern city. So our, our big struggle is, of course, all the people we've got.
0: OK, so wouldn't in the end a paper ballot be the most secure?
22: I, I honestly believe it would, you know, and I think at the end of the day it would. But of course, you then run into some other unintended issues um, <laughs> like the guy carrying the ballots. Yeah, the guy carrying the ballots could just as easily be robbed, right? Or you could find the mysterious missing bag of ballots in in the back of a cloakroom. And so you still run the risk, right? There's still always a risk of, of some kind of election fraud. So there's no system that's going to be perfect, right? It's how you audit it and how you're able to monitor it uh, that I think is most important.
0: That kind of reminds me of this series arc in the tv show good wife if you remember where a whole bunch of ballots mysteriously disappeared supposedly on behalf of the winning candidate
22: yes yes and so that that again you know there, there's always a risk every system has a risk involved and so which one has the least amount of risk um, I, I would argue that probably paper ballots do because it takes much more physical effort to go and steal them or to move them than it does to, uh, you know, do stuff electronically.
12: Well,
0: there supposedly you have people from both parties on board. So there is some kind of cross checking and some kind of way to ensure the integrity. But I guess ultimately, though, the better system is the one. That does it electronically with a paper ballot backup.
22: Yes, and I would I would agree as long as you're able to again you know audit and verify and look I you know I think at the end of the day um, it, 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 most people enjoy the privilege and and the, the uh, of being able to vote in, in an election. So I, I I think that the the concept of of free and and unaltered elections is something near and dear to people of all political stripes you know it's just that you have these outlying cases where people want to deny that there was some clear uh, involvement from a foreign entity that really kind of mucks up the situation but i think for the most part everyone wants to have you know the elections that they that they can trust in and that they can believe in
0: Well, the thing is, too, you shouldn't have a situation where your ego is impacted. Well, if foreigners impacted the election, does that mean that my election was illegal? You'll never be able to prove that. There's no way that they can ever prove unless there was actual physical tampering of voting machines, whether any interference, illegal or legal, whatever, could possibly have changed the outcome.
22: I, could, I couldn't agree more. And I think what's confusing the issue is conflating uh, the, this, this thought of collusion with the thought of interfering. When there's clearly evidence of foreign involvement in interfering with the elections, right? Because you can't separate the concept of collusion versus interfering. It, it, it's really doing a disservice to, to the American public.
0: Well, collusion is technically not a crime. Conspiring would be. To perform an illegal act,
22: sure, sure. Uh, But you know, at that point, we're we're getting into kind of semantics. I think if there was active participation, um, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, if you can speak, you knew about it. But um, I I think that there's a feeling that any any mention of some foreign power having anything to do with the election somehow uh, diminishes the victory. And, and that kind of thought is, is not helpful when it comes to battling what is actually a significant problem.
0: Well, obviously, I think the honest approach would have been, I'm very sad to hear or very, dis- or very concerned that we had this problem. And instead of saying there was no collusion, just simply acknowledge the problem. And we need to make sure and guarantee the integrity of our road. And I, for one, stand here and I support any effort we make to improve the process. Let's get on with our work. But by being paranoid, it doesn't help. Yeah, and I I, I
22: agree. I think that there is a problem. It needs to be actively worked on. And we should be working on it all together because it affects everyone from every political stripe. I mean, this isn't some, you know, pie in, the, pie in the sky dream here. I mean, this is the foundation of our country, of our of our democracy. And if we can't get this process right, and if we can't get this process secure, and if we can't get this process in, in a state that everyone trusts the results, you know, it's going to be pure madness. and And, and, and there's going to be, you know, disruption and discord all over the place
0: and remember too here that we send observers to foreign countries and we say if the vote seems accurate or not so we really have to make sure that we don't have a glass house here
22: right it's our standing in the world i mean we 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 i would like to think we serve as a beacon i mean as naive as that sounds i'd like to think our institutions and our democracy stands as a beacon for other countries to aspire to and it's really hard for us to start complaining about other folks' practices when we can't even clean our own house.
0: Well, there is that. Okay, now, in doing your test, let's do a little background here. How many voting machines did you test? We tested, uh, I believe it was five different systems. And how many units of each system?
22: Well, there they they were various kinds of... There was an electronic machine... There was a couple of web uh, tests and you know web-based um, machines, and there were other systems that were online. So it was it wasn't a test of of different brands as much as it was a test of different kinds of technologies.
0: Okay, so how did you subject these machines to potential hacking? What did you do? What are the steps, especially with a machine that has paper backup?
22: Well, what you would do is you would go in and you would do normal kinds of testing um, that you would do on any system. You would go and see, does it expose any kind of services or ports? Is there any way to connect to the machine? Is there anything that's running in the machine that you could somehow abuse or cause to do something inappropriate? Does the machine have any kind of connections to it, like a USB key, or or can you connect a, a, a an old style kind of, you know, serial cable to it and connect to it. And so we did find that some machines were able, were running services that were able to be abused if they were connected to, you know, a network resource.
0: Okay. So we're talking about here that they're not just running the services that are required for the system. They might be running other operating system services that are generic parts of it that were not stopped. Let's get the answer in our next segment with Jason Glassberg, one more segment of the Tech Night Now Live.
8: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
0: As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same.
15: Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. $39.95 and free economy shipping. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Fire your fly swatter. Get your Bug Assault today.
24: Says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting
18: there. Broadcasting to over a 1,000 radio stations, GCN programming is in all of the largest markets. A GCN advertising career could be the business opportunity you've been waiting for. Companies need hardworking representatives just like you to handle their needs, while you earn residual income which can last for years. Companies are buying and they need you. Email advertise at GCNlive.com or call 877-996-4327. That's 877-996-4327.
14: You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
0: So as I said in our previous segment here, when you're talking about these other systems, you know, USB, whatever, is it because they're using generic operating systems or didn't take the steps to block those systems or remove them?
22: Well, again, you know, you've got a maintenance issue. You know, you'd want to be able, you need to get into the machine to be able to pull out stuff from the machine. (laughs) Right. And so what some of those services can be vulnerable because they're older versions. So again, it, it wasn't a case of nefarious or oversight. It was just a case of, hey, I'm an engineer. This machine contains data. I've got to pull this data out. And so as part of that testing, you could see that the services that they were running to use that kind of data removal or, or be able to pull the data off the machines could potentially be vulnerable to attack. Now, the scenario with which that would happen uh you'd have to be some guy you have a briefcase i'm here to fix the voting machines and you connect your cable and steal it it's a lot like those folks who were putting those scanner chips in the point of sale machines when they you know when they do the credit card theft it's possible there's a, a scenario where that would work but there's no proof that anyone's actually ever d- done that
0: well something like that for it to work you would need a lot of people going to a lot of machines and gaining access one way or another, it can't just be yeah. one machine,
22: right? Because one person can only affect so many votes. I and mean, so, certain
0: some elections that was enough, but then again, right,
22: right. You know, uh, and then there were other systems that were more web-based, where they would how ha- you know host a service. You would connect with your web browser. You know, we found issues with some of those systems also because they weren't necessarily built with the most secure up to date software and techniques but that's you know true of just about any web based application at the end of the day it seemed that the web based solutions could potentially be better but there was always the question of availability to everybody right uh, how would you assure that everyone would be able to have access to these web systems now i guess they could set up rows and rows of terminals that was you know kind of out of the scope of the testing so it did appear, though, that you would have a much safer system with a web-based system than you would off of a hardware machine. But whether that will actually be implemented, we, we've yet to see.
0: Okay, so if someone wanted to hack voting machines, which machines would they find easier?
22: Well, I mean, without getting into specific brands, I would say the older the <laughs> the older the machine, the easier it would be to hack. Okay, is generally the rule of thumb.
0: And because these things are using older systems, older chips, right. and they're using I mean, Intel yeah. chips. They already have built-in <laughs> flaws in them, hardware flaws that. that we've been hearing about for the last few months. Well,
22: generally speaking, older embedded systems tend to not get patched because either it's not possible, or it's not feasible, um, or it's just not you know economically viable. And so you've got these older machines that exist, and they are vulnerable. And and you know, quite frankly, this is true of, of medical equipment as it is true of voting machines. You know, you've got a lot of these systems out there that are running older embedded systems that have these flaws, and they can't be patched. So it's not it's not it's not an issue that's unique to voting machines.
0: Well, you see what you say there, though. Is is it possible then, with some of these older medical machines, for some assassin to actually kill somebody using one of these flaws and exploiting it
22: it would make a great jean le carré novel okay the realm of human imagination i mean of course whether it actually has happened i it's hard to say but yes it is it is conceivable in fact if you remember last year i think it was they had the big ransomware attack at the health services in the uk and part of the problem was some of these embedded systems got infected with that ransomware and literally could not be operated. So it is entirely possible to build a plausible scenario where you could set out some virus or some piece of malware that goes and shuts down these
0: things. So that wouldn't be a specific target. It would be a general target.
22: And it could be the specific or general, right? You, you don't know. I mean, someone could specifically write software to take out a specific piece of hardware, which we've seen, if you remember with the Iranian reactors, they were able to write a specific piece of code for this Siemens operating system that caused the reactors to spin so fast, the centrifuges, to spin so fast they self-destructed. Or it could be more of a general, you're running some embedded version of, of Windows or Linux and we have this vulnerability and you're going to be affected with it also.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking like a pacemaker. Where you remotely control the pacemaker and do funky yeah. things with it.
22: Well, yeah, and it's been an active area of study in the security community for quite some time. In fact, there was a, a conference that happens over the summer in Las Vegas called Black Hat. Right. And a number of years ago, three or four years ago, there was a, a famous security researcher who actually proved that you could, in fact, cause these pacemakers to misfire through a remote attack. Oh, boy. But you could just as easily get hit by a bus. So, you know, who's to say what's the, what's the bigger risk?
0: Well, with the bus, if you don't travel, if you don't go outside, you won't get hit <laughs> by the bus. But you could be anywhere, and they can take control of your pacemaker.
22: Yeah, it's, it's, it's
0: entirely possible. Well, nothing is safe anymore. Smoke signals can <laughs> be hacked because the person who is sending the signal may not be the person you think it is.
22: But again, I don't think this is a new problem because you take any slice of time in any historical period and you would have an equal number of unusual but potential threats. You know, disease was was something that was would ravage the world. We don't have that now, although maybe if the anti-vaxxers have their way, we'll we'll have it back. But for each and every period of time, you just have a different number of threats. The threats are always out there. It's how people deal with them, you know, that is kind of the, the story of, of, of folks. And so right now we're living in a technological age and we have threats against our technology. Some of them are more realistic than others, but it's no different than back in the day when if you took a swim in a pool, you could get polio.
0: Nothing is safe, but you do the best you can.
22: I think that's just just the
0: human condition. Anyway, back to the voting machines. <laughs> if you were designing the ideal voting machine, yes. what would it contain? Obviously, you'd have a paper backup. What else?
22: It would be, you know, constantly monitored. It would be secured. It would be what we call air gapped from any kind of network connectivity. Ideally, it would require a two factor authentication, meaning I would have some other way of identifying myself as the voter, whether it's some ID card or whether it's my cell phone. So that when I tabulated the vote, the vote would then go back to my phone and then I'd click OK. And then it would know that it was me who actually did the vote. So it would be a very auditable system. It would be a very secure system. The other thing that, that I think is important that, you know, we haven't really touched on is, is the concept of statistical analysis, right? And so the, uh, another interesting thing that I, I believe should be done is that there should be additional polling that, you know, you can get now people may lie, but for the most part, you can tell how a region or a district is going to vote if you're able to poll folks. And so if you've got some kind of statistical anomaly, which says that a random sample said that this candidate was going to win by 30% and the other candidate won by 90%, clearly something's
0: up. It almost sounds a bit like sophisticated exit polling. Jason, please tell our listeners, if they want to know more of what you do, where do they go?
22: If you'd like to know more about us, you can go to www.casaba.com and look at the information there on the web
0: sounds good to me we're on twitter by the way look for tech night owl on twitter look for gene steinberg on facebook and we have another radio show about ufos things that go bump in the night jason didn't know we're crazy people called the power cast at powercast.com this week nick redfern prolific author talking about the black diary and men in black and women in black and all sorts of weird stuff like that. We also have Tech Night Out Plus, where you can get a version of this show free of the network ads with better quality audio for low price, starting at $1.49 a week. Go to plus.technightowl.com for more information, PLUS.technightOut.com. Jason Glassberg, thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live.
13: Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.
18: is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible
16: Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad
9: channel.